Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to listen to a life-changing message from our special guest. First Peter 2.9. Let's go here together. It says this. But you are a chosen people. Say, I am chosen. A royal priesthood. Say, I am royal. Say it with a little bit more confidence here. I am royal. Look at the person next to you and say, you are royal. There we go. A holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, thank you, Jesus, into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. That's amazing. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Who is thankful in this room for the mercy of God that we did not deserve? At one point, we had no mercy. Yikes. And then God decided to come and give us mercy in this room. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we see here with royalty comes great power and authority. That if we are going to walk in royalty, that we Along with that comes great power in our life and also great authority. You see, when we're saved, we get a new bloodline. We have a new bloodline when we are saved. When we're born, we're born with the DNA of our mom and of our dad. So you might have, like, your mom's hair. You might have your dad's bald spot. You know, you might have your mom's personality. You might have some attributes from your dad. Now, for me, I took on some attributes from my mom. Now, I don't know if this is a good quality or a bad quality. I'm not sure. I happen to think it's a good quality. It could be a blind spot in my life. But I love a good deal. Like, like I will go to some serious um, extents for a good deal. I love the 99-cent store. I'm loyal to the 99-cent store. I'm pretty convinced that everything that a human being needs to live on this planet can be found at the 99 cent store. I'm serious. Yesterday I went to the 99 cent store. I was supposed to go for like five minutes to pick up. I was in the 99 cent store for two hours. I don't know. I don't know why. But it's just there's so many good deals, right? And I could get something somewhere else, but I mean, if it's there, why not get a good deal? And then I come home and show my husband all the things I got that I really didn't need any of them. Hey, people go to extreme measures sometimes to save money. And I know that that is something that I got from my mom for sure. 100%. I love a deal. David, my brother, he's the exact same way. Don't let him tell you anything otherwise. There was an app that was giving away like a dollar lunches for a promotion. David and I, every day, ate out a dollar lunch and like posted it. We were telling everyone about it. Everyone's like, cool. We're like, it's a dollar. When it ended, I remember me and him just looked at each other. We're like, what else do we have? You know, (laughs) we pass on habits to our children from 
our life, and we take on habits from our parents as well. But God's original plan for mankind was that we would have a healthy genetic lineage. His original plan was we we would have a healthy genetic lineage and that we would pass this on to our children and our children's children for a thousand generations. And what happened is something came in that plan and it wedged its way in and it's called sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, now all of a sudden a mutated genetic lineage was now passed on from generation to generation. And that is why you and I today, that is why we struggle with sin. That's why sin is a struggle sometimes in our life. It is because it came in and it crept in. It was not God's original design, but what happened was when Adam and Eve sinned, it came into our life. So what happened was that when Jesus died on the cross, he provided a way for that genetic code to be brought back to its original purpose. The blood of Jesus is the perfect DNA. It is the spotless lamb. So when we are saved and we say, God, come and wash away my sins, and we have prayed that prayer, what happens is the blood of Jesus covers our life, and we now have a new bloodline. Thank you, Jesus. Old things pass away. All things are made new in our life. That means that the blood of Jesus has the power to reverse curses in our life. The blood of Jesus has the power to heal us. The blood of Jesus has the power for anything to be possible in our life. Through the blood of Jesus, we have a new bloodline. Say, I have a new bloodline. I have a new DNA. Thank you, Jesus. And because of that, we are royalty. So we can rise to our royal call to be ambassadors of Christ, not because of what we do, not because we are good enough, not because we are perfect, but because of the blood of Jesus in our life. The blood of Jesus in our life. When we give our life to God, all of the old things in our life that we used to deal with pass away. They are thrown into the the sea of forgetfulness. Thank you, Jesus. And all things are made new in our life. Ephesians 1, 7 says this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. There is nothing more powerful in a Christian's life than the power of the blood of Jesus. Nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus in our life, that he has restored us, not just forgiven us of our sins, but he wants us to be restored to our original purpose and that perfect DNA in our life through the cross. And I think many times, I don't know about you, but I live with comparison or compromise or complacency. And I find myself caught up in it simply because I don't know or believe my identity in Christ. If we truly know our identity, we shouldn't have to be caught up in comparing our lives to other people. We shouldn't have to be caught up in complacency or compromise or allowing things in our life that just should not be there. We shouldn't be caught up in that if we truly know our identity. And a person that hasn't realized their identity, they live a life searching desperate for security, for validation, 
and feel forgotten and alone. Has anyone ever felt that way before? I know I have many times. And so today, I want us to walk out of this room and know our identity in Christ and what he says over us. So number one today, a life of royalty is a life of confidence. Let's say confidence. Confidence is one of those things that I have just struggled with in my life. Is anyone with me in here? I think confidence is one of those words that we hear a lot. Like we throw it around like, be confident. Just be confident in who you are. Come on, be confident. And it's like easier said than done sometimes. Like sometimes we can seem really confident on the outside, but on the inside if people really knew how truly insecure we felt or how much self-hatred or self-doubt that we were experiencing and all of the conflicting emotions, they might be shocked right, of what's really going on inside of us. And I think that sometimes this realm of confidence is a very unfamiliar space. Like one day I feel confident, one day I don't. Well, why is that? I think it's because my confidence is in the wrong thing. Being a person that has struggled throughout my life with image and like how I look and my weight, even I remember being like eight years old and doing Weight Watchers with my mom and counting the points at eight. I stopped doing ballet at like nine because I didn't like how my thighs looked in the leotard. Like I remember being so small and so insecure. And this wrong thinking pattern just continued throughout my life. And it was something that I dealt with, like insecurity and having a really hard time being confident. And I remember when I moved here to LA, developing in an attempt to take control of my life and my new surroundings. I developed an eating disorder and I was in denial completely about this eating disorder, saying that I didn't have one. I was just being healthy, all this stuff. And then things started happening where, you know, my nails were starting to fall off and I would have like my bones would stick out. So I'd have bruises all on my back. And I started to think like, oh, this isn't normal. Like I'm not supposed to be this thin. I'm sick. And I was going to the doctor quite often. And, um, I remember this like eye-opening moment of just realizing I went to the beach and I was like the smallest that I'd ever been in my whole life, like so skinny. And I remember I couldn't um, like wear a bathing suit because I felt like I was so big, right? And many people in this room, if you've dealt with any sort of like eating disorder, not only eating disorder, just wrong self-image or the wrong viewpoint of yourself, I mean, you can maybe relate to that. But the enemy had so twisted my mind and had me so bound by insecurity that I wasn't able to walk in confidence. And he was stealing moments from my life because I was consumed with the wrong things. And my confidence was in the wrong things. Because the reality of it is, if our confidence is in our hands and anything that we do, it can be shaken and it can be taken from us. And what happens What happens when no longer we look pretty or no longer we have the right outfits or people don't like see us that way anymore? Are we all of a sudden shattered? If the one thing that we put all of our confidence in is taken away from us, what happens to our life? And I think we have to ask ourselves that question because whatever could be shaken in our life will be shaken. (laughs) It will. If there is anything that our confidence and our hope is in other than Jesus it will be shaken in our life. And we will have to come back to a point and say, where is my confidence? It's in the wrong things. We cannot walk in royalty and not not be a person of confidence. We can't. 
We can't say, I am royal, but I'm not confident. A person that knows and believes their identity in Christ is one that can walk with confidence, talks with courage, rests in their position, and has peace in the midst of their process. Faith and confidence go hand in hand. We have to know this about confidence. Confidence is not self-confidence. It's not self-confidence. So if we want to be confident, do not put our confidence in ourselves. It has nothing to do with ourselves. That is not real confidence. That's false confidence. Confidence, real confidence is put completely in God. It's God confidence. Although maybe I can't do it, he can. Although maybe I don't see an out an outcome, he can. Although I am faithless, he is faithful. And although I may feel insecure, he will give me boldness as a lion. And he will come and fill me. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because of who he is. He is the one that has called us. And whatever he calls us to, he will give us the grace to accomplish. If he has not given us the grace for something that we continue to try and reach for, let's maybe pause and see what he's given us the grace to do. Because he gives us the ability to do what he's called us to. Real confidence is faith activated. It's faith against fear. It's saying, I may feel fear, but I'm going to choose confidence in the face of fear. Sometimes I think we get so fixated on what we can't do, when really we should be focusing on what we can What God-given ability has he given me or put in my hands? I'm going to focus my efforts on those, and I'm going to become a 10 in those areas. For me, when I was 13 around, I saw Blue Crush. Did anybody ever see the movie Blue Crush? I remember watching that movie Blue Crush, and I didn't work out then, and unfortunately, God did not gift me with the same genes that he gifted David with. David was like the sports kid. He was the best sports player. Like, in baseball, he'd be the best. In every sport he did, he was the best. He all of a sudden became an expert. If he did skateboarding, he was the best, you know? And I was not gifted with those same genes at all. The only reason that they allowed me to be on the sports team was because it was a Christian school, and so they allowed everybody to be on the sports team. Like, everyone. It was a really, really small school, so they're like, yeah, everyone's welcome. But I was always the worst. I was always the slowest. I just, I'm just being honest with you. I never worked out. My mile time was like 18 minutes. That's real. That's true. I was barely walking, I guess. It took me a really long time. So then when I watched Blue Crush and I saw the girls, they were like doing pull-ups outside on the beach. And I was like, that's going to be me. Like, God, I want to do that. Like, that is what I want to do pull-ups. Like, those girls. I want to be as cool as those girls. So I remember I went out and I bought, like, Roxy. I got a wetsuit. And then I told David, I was like, hey, can you um, take me surfing with you? He was like, yeah, for sure. Like, um, absolutely, I'll, I'll take you out with me. And, you know, it's going to be so good. I'll teach you all my ways. And then David took me out. He abandoned me in the middle of the ocean to be eaten by the sharks. I barely could even get out there. Like, I didn't have the arm strength to get out there. And so he, he abandons me. He leaves me. I'm out there to be left for dead, basically. 
And so this one guy, he's a kind soul, he came up and he was like, hey, are you like having a hard time? Like, yes, I don't know how to do this. I just want to try to get up on my surfboard, be like Blue Crush. He's like, okay, like, let me try to help you. I didn't get up. I, I tumbled. It was an awful experience. And I remember when I got back, I was like, you know what? I should maybe stick with singing, you know? Because singing was like a little bit more up my lane. I don't know if surfing was, you know, kind of the direction. I think sometimes we just need to stick in our lanes, right? Let's just stick in our lanes. If God has given us the, the ability to do something or the talent to do it, let's just stick there, you know? If he wants us to do something else, he will make it very clear to us and the leaders in our life, and he will give us the ability to do it. So I think sometimes let's just stick in our lane. The other day I asked Ben, I was like, hey, Ben, can I borrow your scooter? I want to go um, have coffee with somebody. And he, he was like, oh, sure. You know the little scooters that, like the um, birds, yeah. I've gotten pretty good on those, actually. So I was like, this is going to be a breeze. So I take the scooter. I'm going. I'm like, this is nice. I stop to get the coffee, whatever. I leave. I'm talking on the phone on the scooter. Number one, don't ever do that, ever. Mm -mm. And then I come up to where, you know, the cars exit, the the parking garage, and the thing goes up and down. And you always think it's not going to be as fast as it is, right? And so there was a little section on the other side for the scooters. But of course, me being on the phone, I was like, we're good. I'm going to go fast. So I go right after the car. The thing, I swear to you, it was the fastest little arm I have ever seen. It hit me so hard. I'm not joking. It knocked me off the scooter. I threw my phone. I hit my head. Yes, I know. I had a huge goose egg on the back of my head, like massive. I was like all dizzy. Everyone got out of their cars. <laughs> and the guy that got out of his car, he looked at me, he's like, he goes, hey, hon. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, you weren't ready for that, huh? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not ready for it. So anyway, just stick in your lane, you know? God has given us a lane for a reason. Let's just stick in that lane. Let's stay there. Royalty and humility go hand in hand. Humility is not insecurity. True humility is the gateway to authority. We can be people of humility and still be confident of who we are in God. We can be people that walk in humility, but are still confident in who we are in God, and we have God confidence in our lives. Many times if we look at ourselves, and if we were to take an honest assessment, we could feel like, I'm not really worth that much. Has anybody ever felt that way? Like, I know God loves me, but like an honest assessment, I don't really feel that valuable right now, especially if we've done things that we're not proud of or if there's some sin in our life. And we can say that. We can have an honest assessment of ourselves. And what happens is we can spiritualize low self-esteem as false humility. That is not the right mindset for us to have. That keeps us from walking in power and authority. God does not want us to have low self-esteem and make it look like we have false humility. He doesn't want us to demean ourselves in the process of trying to walk in humility. That is not true humility. Humility is power restrained. It is saying, I know the power of God that is inside of my life because he is great 
And he has put his greatness inside of me and his royalty inside of me. But I'm restraining that. And I'm not focusing on that 24 hours of the day. Right? That's not my main focus. First Peter 5, 6 says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. This shows what? That humility is a deliberate decision. It is not an emotion. It is not a feeling. It starts with a deliberate decision, which then moves to a heart condition. But first, it's a deliberate decision that we have to make to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, like David was talking about today. So many times we take the pen, right? We try to write our own story. We're really saying, God, I give you control. I am not the boss. I am not perfect. I humble myself under your mighty hand. I know that I need you more than anything in this life, and I need your grace. So, God, if you want to lift me up in due time, that's your choice. But it is not our job, right, to lift ourselves up. We are only called to humble ourselves. And humility is a condition of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. It is choosing. I know the greatness, but I'm not going to exalt myself higher than I ought to. I know the greatness that God has put inside of me, but I'm not going to exalt myself higher than I should. I believe that often when we try to humble ourselves, we demean ourselves. But the recognition of our God-given gifts is okay. The recognition of our God-given goodness is not pride. To recognize that God has given us gifts or goodness in an area, we don't have to go around and boast them to everybody. They should be evident in our life if that fruit is in our life. But that's okay to realize that God has given me these gifts and God is the goodness of God in my life. If people see that, awesome. In Romans 3.23, it says this, that we fell short of the glory of God. This means that we were created, you and I were created for the glory of God, but at one point we missed it. But thank the Lord, he died for us, Jesus died for us to restore us back to this place. Not just forgive us of our sins, but to restore us to our original purpose. So this is how we stay humble. It's acknowledging where our greatness comes from. It's not saying we're not great. But it's saying, God, any greatness inside of me is because you are the source of all greatness. It is saying, God, you are the source of anything good that people might see inside of me. You are the source of all greatness. So I will humble myself under your hand and trust that in due time, he will exalt me and he will exalt my life. Humility is not demeaning ourselves, but it is exalting God. It's exalting him. It's saying, God, you are higher. You are more important. You are greater. I honor you above any skill or talent. And you know what's awesome about this is that it doesn't put our all of the weight of our life into something we're doing. So sometimes when we put all of the weight of our life like into a project or all of our confidence into a project, what happens when it doesn't work out? then all of a sudden we feel like an absolute failure, right? But when we put our confidence in God, when we say, God, any goodness inside of me is from you, then if something doesn't work out how we intended, it's okay. 
because my life is surrendered to God and my confidence is in him. And I know that he is good and he has a plan for my life to prosper me, not to harm me. So I can put my confidence in this today. A life of royalty is a life of honor. We believe here at Fearless What that honor is our? Very good. Honor is our privilege. We have the opportunity to honor. When the kingdom of God is present within us, honorable behavior should come naturally to us. It should be easy to honor. When the kingdom of God is present within us, when we are living lives as ambassadors of Christ here on this earth, it should be natural for us to honor. When we walk in our royal call, Our behavior is not determined by a temporal environment, but by the eternal environment that is inside of us. Many people might react differently than how we are going and choosing to react that don't know Jesus. Because if Jesus is living inside of us, then our royal behavior should be behavior of honor. Honor. Honoring God first. Honoring people. Honoring leadership. Honoring those, a culture of honor That is what we are called to do. Exodus 20, 12 says this, honor your father and mother so that your life will be prolonged. What I love here is that it's showing that there is a correlation in a relationship between honor and life. Honor creates an abundant life. Honor creates a life of joy and peace. Honor is a culture that God wants us to set to have a royal culture, not only in our life and our family, but in our workplaces, in our church. We are choosing to have a culture of honor. Honor is humility in action. So we have humility. We're choosing to live with humility. How do I put humility into action? It is through honor. And honor is a choice, a deliberate choice in our life. What if we chose today? To focus on the good in other people and less on weaknesses of other people. Less on the things that we don't really like. Because it's easy for anyone to find something about somebody that just gets on their nerves, right? It's easy for you to look at me and afterwards pick out a few things that maybe you didn't like about this sermon. It's easy for us to go out and, you know, we are so used to just being critical people, myself, I love Yelp. I love going on and like writing a review. And so we get reviews about everything, right? We are so used to giving our opinion. But what if our opinion was clothed in honor? What if we chose to focus on the good in somebody? Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody has things that they're not proud of. But our job is to cover the weaknesses of others and to... lift up and honor their strengths. If somebody has a strength, we are going to let them shine. We are going to champion them. We are going to lift them up. If there is any weaknesses, we are going to pray for them. And we're going to go and say, God, help them in this area. But I choose to honor in front of others. With leadership, we're going to always do that. We are going to honor. We are going to honor the gifts of God that he has put in their life. With our spouses, we're going to choose like You know, it's easy for Rich to see some weaknesses inside of me. He could tell me them. But when he chooses to honor my strengths, all of a sudden I feel like I can do anything. Literally, I could conquer the world when he just says a couple things that honor the strengths inside of me. With our kids, with the people in our life, when we create a culture 
that encourages and lifts up one another and lifts up the strengths of our brothers and sisters. And we are not honoring people because they deserve it. That is not why we honor. We honor because we are honorable citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And when we walk in this earth, we are choosing to honor. My words will honor. My thoughts will honor. My life will honor. I will have a culture of honor. I will honor my boss. I will honor people even if I feel they don't deserve it. I choose to honor. James 4, 6 says that God opposes turns away from the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Who needs the grace of God in your life? I need the grace of God every single day in my life, desperately. I need the grace of God. I cannot just do it on my own. I need the grace of God. And so if we want the grace of God in our life, we must be obedient to honor honor all people. Mark 9.35 says this, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. When we honor others above ourselves, we are permitting God to honor us. We are saying, when I choose to lift Miriam up and I choose to honor her above boasting about my own ability or honoring myself, or if I just choose to be selfless when I want to be selfish, Now I am opening a doorway for God to honor me. How beautiful is that? I am saying, God, I am permitting, I am inviting in the honor of God on my life. That is a gift that I want to receive in my life. And as we honor others, that is what what happens. We see a poor woman in Matthew 26, 9. I love this story. We know this story. There's a poor woman, all she has is this alabaster jar with the most expensive perfume, right? And she comes and she breaks this jar and she anoints Jesus. And all of the disciples are like, what is she doing? Like, we could have used this to help the poor. Why is she wasting her money? Why is she wasting this anointing oil? What is she doing? And you know what Jesus says? He says, hold on wait a second, let me tell you something about this woman. He says, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. Wow. He says, okay, stop, everybody, be quiet. What this woman did for the rest of time in the entire world, we will talk about her because of what she did today. That's pretty important. He honored her. He honored this woman. He didn't say because of what she did for me. Because of what she did today, she will be talked about for the rest of time. Because she has shown such an extravagant manifestation of honor. She had a heart of honor. She had a heart that honored Jesus. She didn't care what the other people in the room thought. She didn't care what anyone thought. She said, I'm going to honor Jesus above all else. And honor is demonstrated every time we come in this room and we worship and we lift our hands and we jump and we dance and we sing and we give God our hearts. What are we doing? We are honoring Jesus. We are saying that Jesus, you are the most important 
important person in this room, in my life, in our world. I honor you. I honor you. When we cut things out of our life that are compromising, when we cut words out of our, out of our mouth that do not honor Jesus, we are doing it because we honor him, because we love him. That is why we worship. That is why we live our lives this way, because we want to honor him. And when we honor Jesus through worship, it changes the way that we see him. It changes the way that we see the king. And in return, it changes the way that we see ourselves. Because all day we can say, you know, we're royalty. We are royal. But if we don't see ourselves this way, We cannot walk in the authority that we have as sons and daughters of God. We cannot walk in our identity as kings and queens, that we have dominion and we have power over the enemy and everything that he would try and throw into our life. And I found in my life, I don't know if you feel the same way, but whenever I walk through something tricky, the first thing that the enemy tries to steal is my worship. Whenever I walk through something, I'm frustrated. I'm walking through a hard moment. Many in this room, even now, are walking through some very hard testing moments in your life. And I believe that the first thing the enemy tries to steal is our worship. I think, I would even go so far to say that he's okay with us praying sometimes. And he's okay sometimes with even us reading our word. But when we begin to worship, and honor the king, he is not okay with that. And even recently, I was going through kind of a a hard moment in my mind. My husband and I are um, wanting to start a family, and it wasn't happening like how I wanted it to happen. And I just remember being so frustrated and driving and so, like, angry that the story wasn't being written how I wanted it to be written. Anybody ever felt that way before? And you've gotten in a place of being frustrated and maybe even bitter. And I turned on an interview of Carrie Job, and she said, the one thing that the enemy tries to always steal is my worship. And I thought, oh, that's what's happening in my life. He's trying to steal my worship. So I just began to worship God. I began to talk about the faithfulness of God, and I began to sing to him, and I began to reflect on the goodness of God. And you know what happened? My perspective completely switched, like 180. Like in that car, the glory of God came, and he completely changed my heart. It was like I had a heart of stone, and all of a sudden, my heart was softened. It's a supernatural thing that took place in that moment. I can't explain it. I could read 10 books. I could do 20 things. I could try and work harder, but really, he just wanted my worship. He wanted my worship, not because he needs it, because he doesn't, but because I need it, and I need a new perspective. And I need to say, God, I honor you. I honor you above my emotions. I honor you above wrong mindsets. I honor you above all things, for I know you are good. You are always good. You are always faithful. And where there is a a culture of honor, there is a culture of miracles today. I want to end with this verse. Proverbs 18, 16 says that a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Who is the great? Who is the greatest one in this room? Who is the greatest one in our life? It is Jesus. And when we bring a gift of worship to him, a gift of honor every day in our life, we are ushered in and the door is open for the presence of God in our life. Thank you for listening. 
If you have something you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or to find more information about Fearless LA. Thank you.